14 for tonight. Joshua chapter 14 in the Word of God. We'll be looking at a character called Caleb. Joshua chapter 14. We're going to begin in verse number 6. And uh, again, you know, I was really encouraged by this morning and uh, just from what I was able to see and uh, just the encouragement by several of you have asked, you know, for the door hangers and uh, just trying to pass them out in your neighborhood and in your area. And I believe that is important. And so thank you for doing that and just being a part of the work that uh, we're trying to do here as a church together. You know, one person can't do it alone, and that's why we are a church, so we can all do it together and uh, the body working together to perform the functions that are there. Joshua chapter 14, verse number 6. The Bible says, Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me, and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, and I wholly followed the Lord my God. Moses swore unto in that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty-five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. Now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, eighty-five years old. And yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. And as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake to him in that day. For thou heardest in, thy, in that day how that the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Notice he's just... Com- pushing his back to the Lord over and over again. Verse 13, And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Jeff- Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron before was Kirjath Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray you would just help me to um, speak your word, give it to us as it is in truth. May you encourage us tonight, and uh, may you get all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This is just going to be a short message for tonight. I just want to be an encouragement to you, okay? Uh, There was a lady by the name of Florence Chadwick. She was famous for swimming over the English Channel, not just one way, but both ways. And uh, she set some records back in her day. She decided to swim a 21 stretch from the Catalina Islands over to the California shore coast. And the 21 miles in icy water is not an easy thing to do, especially the fact that it was uh, shark infested during this time and it wasn't an easy feat. But she wanted to do it. She was only 34 years of age. And uh, for a swimmer, that's still at that age, it's still a feat to do. Uh, she was no young person by any stretch of the imagination when you think about the realm of swimmers, that is. 
uh, but she wanted to do this publicly before everybody on the 4th of July, 1952, a holiday. Much of the country was watching television during this time to see if she could set some sort of record. And so she set out from Catalina Island as she was making her way over to the California coast. I mean, she had every obstacle in the world thrown at her. It seems like the shark-infested waters were, were very um, prevalent during this time, and so much so that they had to shoot into the waters to try to keep the sharks away from her. And not only that, but she, the, 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 the icy water was getting to her, and also the, there was a fog that was over top of the, the water during this time, so she had a hard time seeing. And several points along this journey, as she set out to swim across this 21-mile stretch, there was a point in time where she wanted to give up, and she was getting closer and closer, but she couldn't see the, the, where the shoreline was. And she got to a point where she told her trainer and her mother, who were on a rescue boat in case anything happened, she said, I just can't go any further. So they encouraged her. She said, just keep on going, keep on going. You can do this. You can do this. Just keep on going. Push yourself. You're almost there. You're almost there. She says, I can't do it. I can't do it. And she gave in, and they poured her into the boat only to find out that she was only a half mile away from the shoreline. She said, if I had to know that I was only a half mile away from the shoreline, I knew that I could push myself, and I could have made it and got there. And so she set another date where she could go out and officially accomplish the record, and she did. She, in fact, she beat all the male records at that point in time to swim over that, uh, that, that point where she was on the Catalina Island all the way to the California coast. And she, she beat it by two hours. It's not very often that you find people that are committed to do something like that. And uh, if you're like me, I, I've noticed it just seems like people in our day and age just don't have any gumption, don't have any willpower. They, they don't think that they can do anything. And uh, they, they're quick to throw, into the t throw in the towel. It's just like you, you can't get them to accomplish anything. And even though we know that the Lord is able to do far more than what we can ever think or imagine, there are a lot of people that say we can't do it, and we can't accomplish this, and we can't, we can't reach our area. We can't go out and start bus routes anymore. We can't go out and, and do God's work the way that we used to anymore. And, and they just throw in the towel, and they say, well, we just, we just can't. They're not committed anymore. And they forget to appreciate not only their past salvation and what God did in the past, but also when they look forward to the, the, the rewards that will be waiting for them on the other end. Everybody talks about, and they, they say this, they say, I can't wait. I can't wait to close my eyes in death and wake up and hear the voice of the Lord say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Everybody talks about that. They say, That's what I want to hear, thou good and faithful servant. You want to know what you have to do to hear that? You got to keep pressing on despite all the obstacles, against all the oppression, against all the difficulties, against everything the man says can or can't be done. We got to keep our eyes on the Lord. And several times throughout the scripture, we find this in this little section of scripture. It says that Joshua, or in fact, Caleb, wholly followed the Lord my God. Guess what we have to do tonight? We have to wholly follow the Lord our God. Now, there, there are some, some people in this world that have accomplished great feats. You look back at Thomas Edison and some of the things that he was able to do. And he failed many, 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 many times. You know, we, we all credit him for uh, the, the light bulb and electricity and things like that, the, uh, the, the telephone and other ventures such as that, but he failed many times. But he kept on going. 
Think about it. I was in, over in the, um, the Hunsinger's house the other day and I saw on the wall there was this picture of Abraham Lincoln that was talking about all the times that he was determined to be a failure. It's incredible when you look at his life. 24 years old and uh, tried to start his first business, failed. Went out and tried to run for Congress three times, failed. Over and over again, you look at his record and trying to run for vice president and all these other, fail, 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 fail. Every step of the way, it seems like he failed. But there came a day where he ran for president and he won. He didn't quit. He didn't quit. And can I tell you, we can't quit either. The Bible says, I had not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. And that's, God is essentially saying, guys, I have great things prepared for you. But there's still work that needs to be done on this earth. Occupy till I come. There's a work that needs to be done. And you're not on the home stretch yet. You're almost there. And the rapture's just maybe not too far away. It could be tomorrow. It could be next month. It could be next year. But you're almost there. Keep going. Keep pushing yourself. Keep going out and doing that good work. Keep being faithful unto the Lord. Moreover, it's required to stewards that a man be found faithful. And folks, we need to continue to stay faithful in this work uh, that God has given us to do. Much of the problem is, is we take God out of the equation. And you take God out of the equation, nothing's going to work out. You take God out of the equation, you want to give up very quickly because you can't do it on your own. And I recognize that. Uh, you know, I have a vision for our children. I want to raise them to be godly children. I want them to be saved by the grace of God. I want them to see the joy in serving Jesus. I want them to go out and be involved in the work of the ministry. I want them to be, I want us to be like the house of Stephanus where it says that they had addicted themselves to the ministry. That's the kind of house that I want. You look at, uh, uh, who was it? I think it's uh, Philip the Evangelist. It might have been someone different. But over in the book of Acts, it talks about how his daughters were out there just spreading the word just as much as their daddy was. I mean, this is really incredible, the work that uh, they were able to accomplish. But when you take God out of the work, we're not going to be able to do anything. You put God in the work, we're able to accomplish anything. If the Lord be for us, we can go into, we can go into the promised land. If the Lord be for us, I can take that mountain. If the Lord be for us, and in fact, we know from the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, where it tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to uh, uh, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And what's that last part? And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. The disciples recognized they couldn't do that on their own. They had the Lord's teaching and the Lord's example when they went out and set forth because they knew that the Lord was with them when they went out and did the work of the ministry, starting churches and seeing people saved by the grace of God. We must put God back into the equation. He's often, oftentimes the missing pieces, piece of our life, and um, you, you, you must recognize that. Being raised in the Shenandoah Valley, I tell you, it was, it's one of those things that kind, kind of knocks your socks off. I really didn't appreciate it when I lived there as much as what I should have. 
I mean, it was just a young country boy, and I, I mean, I, I loved the mountains. I was constantly up in the mountains. We would go hunting and fishing, and I would oftentimes drive up on top of the mountain and overlook the Seven Bends, and I would go through the George Washington National Forest and just seeing the beauty of all the trees and just admire all of creation, and go up there and just look over all the different activities, the different towns and things of that nature, and, and, and it was just really amazing but I didn't really appreciate it as much as what I I probably should have when I was younger and when I first got here it was the thing that really took my breath away was the mountains you know what I mean Uh, because being being a person I'm just infatuated with mountains I love the mountains I love the fact every morning that I can leave the house and I can get up out on, well, maybe 22 is not the best place, but look out over top of the road and see that there's mountains on either side of me. And I can look at those mountains and say, praise the Lord, you've put those mountains there. But can I tell you this? God wants us to take those mountains for his glory, to get the gospel to those people in those mountains and to reach them. It's amazing when we look at Joshua. Or Caleb, I should say. I want to get those mixed up over and over again, aren't I? Uh, Caleb, 40, 40 years of age. 40 years of age, and he saw what God was able to do as he comes through, and God had redeemed him out of the nation of Egypt. God had made his people free when the, once they were in bondage and they were uh, taken in, into captivity, and God said that they were going to be there for over 400 years. But it came a point in time where God would send Moses in and said, you want to be my deliverer and we're going to, uh, I've come down now and I've seen and I've heard their affliction and Moses, we were to deliver them. Part of the promise that um, God gave unto Moses, he told him this, he said, I'm going to bring you into a land that floweth with milk and honey. It's going to be a beautiful land and it's going to sustain you. I want to put the Canaanites out of the land. They're no longer going to be there, and you're going to inherit this land. This is my plan. This is my vision for you. Folks, if you don't have a vision, you're not going to succeed very much. It's like oftentimes Elijah will have me put together Legos, and he'll, he'll tell me, he says, Daddy, I want you to build a four-wheeler. I want you to build a boat, and I want you to build all these things. I said, Son, where's the picture? Oh, I don't have a picture. And I'm sitting there trying to build something. I'm like, I have no idea how this is going to come together. You've got to have a vision in order for it to come together. God's vision was for them to go into the promised land. He wanted to make them free from the land of captivity. And that's what, you know, is just kind of a, uh, as a side note, when Jesus says over in John chapter 8, he says, who the, who, if the Son therefore make you free, you should be free indeed. That's what he's talking about for the child of God. Points back to the time where uh, the children of Israel had been set free from the land of Egypt and given a whole new, whole new life, and they were transformed in the way that they were thinking. They were God's people, and that's what God wants for us. But anyway, back to the children of Israel. They made it all the way to the point in time where they came out across the Red Sea, and they came to Mount Sinai, uh, made the covenant with, the, with, with God. And the very next point along the way, God was bringing them every step of the way where He wanted them to be. This is the way. Walk yet. This is the way. Go, go to the go. Go to Mount Sinai. Go to Kirjath Arba. And right there, they would send out the twelve spies to go and search out the land, the land that God was going to give them, the land that God was going to give the children of Israel. But Caleb was there, and he witnessed the whole thing. He saw the mighty power of God. He he was able to witness what God was able to do. He was part of the battle in Exodus chapter 17 when Joshua was leading the battle against the Amalekites. 
He, he saw the crossing of the Red Sea. He saw how they beat uh, Sion and Nog, the, the, the kings on the other side of the Jordan. He, he was able to be there every step of the way, and he knew God's power. He knew God's promise. He knew God's uh, place for them where he wanted them to be. And can I tell you this? He never lost sight, never lost sight of that vision. God says he's going to give me this place. Now, of course, that, don't worry about the outline. I've done blue it already. Uh, of course, during this period of time, when they get to Kirjath Arba, they were going in and they send out the 12 spies into the land. They go into a place where it's a, they're ascending up toward Hebron. Hebron's part of what they describe there in the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 12 or Numbers chapter 13. And they described Hebron as this. They say that there are four children, the sons of Anak, that were there, and there are great giants that are in the land, and they, he knows that they are there. He knows what the land is. On the other side is the brook Escrow where they take the, the grapes and the figs and the pomegranates are there, just proof of what God said that he would do. And it was just really amazing that they saw all this. But when they came back out of the land, the, the 12 spies came back and they gave this report unto the, the children of Israel. And this is what they said. Ten of them said, you know, we went in. We saw the walled cities. We saw the giants. We were as grasshoppers in their sight. We're, we're not able to go up and beat them. We're not, we don't have the strength. We don't have the manpower. We don't have the weapons. We can't do this. And that's what they're telling the children of Israel caused them to be disheartened and, and really uh, just corrupted their hearts. They said, oh, you know, we're born out here. We're going, to, we're going to be buried out here. You know, something is when we think about what happened at that point in time, they only had one or two options in the first place. They could either take what God wanted for them, the promised land, or they could take where they've always been and just be content with where they've always been. They could be content. In fact, they've always looked back to Egypt and they'd always look back to that time. We want the time where we had the leeks, the melons, the cucumbers, and all those things that Egypt had to offer. They were constantly wanting to go back. They didn't believe God. They didn't believe His Word. They didn't want to follow uh, the Lord. They didn't follow Him wholly. Their hearts weren't after God. They were continually questioning God every step of the way. But God gave them what they wanted, didn't He? You guys say that you're as grasshoppers in their sight. Well, you have this grasshopper mentality. You have a small view of God. You say that God can't. I'll give you what you want. You want the wilderness? That's what you're going to get. You're going to stay here 40 years. But His vision was constantly... Caleb's vision was constantly on that mountain. He just wouldn't lose sight of it. Every, every year, I believe that he was counting them down. 39 years, God's going to give me that mountain. 35 years, God's going to give me that mountain. Uh, 10 years, God's going to give me that mountain. Guys, you just watch. I'm sure they were talking about it around the dinner table with the children. Guys, you want to know what I saw there in that mountain? Man, you wouldn't believe it. Grapes like you've never seen a day in your life. You know what God said? He said it's going to be a land full, full of milk and honey. It's going to be a, a land of plenty. It's going to be a land of giants. Uh, let me tell you guys this. We're going to be living in the land of the giants. There's going to be more than enough room for us. God's going to give us that land, and they would talk about this every single day. I'm sure about it. God's giving us this mountain. Until the day that they crossed over the Jordan River, and he says, all right. We're going to continue to follow the Lord. 
We followed him back, and when he sent us in to spy out the land, we were to follow him in as we crossed the Jordan River. And we were to follow him as we walk around the walls of Jericho and they come tumbling down. We were to follow him in the battle of Ai. We were to follow him against the five kings. We were to continue to follow the Lord. And what did Joshua say at the end of the when it, when it was all said and done, he was ready to go and meet the Lord himself? Not one promise has failed of all of God's word. You know what Caleb was counting on? He was counting on the promises of God. He was counting on the power of God. He says, my, my strength hasn't abated. 85 years old, can you imagine? He says, 85 years old. Give me my, son, give me my sword. Son, give me my shield. Uh, son, we're going to go up and take this mountain. You watch. God, my God's still able. 85 years old, can you imagine? I tell you, I, it just blows my mind. As older I get, I, you know, I'm, I'm still young. I'm still young, by the way. 41 years old, one day I might get there if the Lord doesn't come, but uh, I'm starting to feel the pain in the knees and the pain in the back a little bit, but I'm still young and I'm going to get there. But I hope I can be like, I hope I can be like Caleb who says, my strength has not abated. I hope I can be like Moses who said his eyes didn't dim and his strength didn't, didn't wax faint. He was constantly, he was out there. He just believed in God and believed that he could, he could do it. You know what encourages me? I, the reason why I wanted to do something different in the book of Romans was this. I was overwhelmed this morning. I, uh, I was out here getting ready for the morning service, getting ready to preach the morning message. And I just saw all those children running up the stairs. I, I saw I just, just all the different ages of children everywhere. I mean, it just took my, my breath away. And I said, this... This is what it's all about. Lord, this is why you called me here. Lord, this, I, I love being a part of this. And, and it really encouraged me. That, you know, again, the, the family with all their children, the children that were here downstairs in junior church, all over the place. I saw what was going on with soul winning and visitation and, and people coming out left and right to say, hey, where do we start and how, uh, what do you want us to do to, to, to put these papers together and these uh, packets together? And we just all got behind the program and we all served together. And it wasn't about, uh, well, Ezra thought it was about who could do the most, but that's besides the point. Uh, you always got to have one, right? You know, but I like the competition. It keeps things interesting. I, I, I see, you know, when I get here this morning and, and Lois was telling me, she says, hey, you have any more of those packets back there? I want to get some. I want to pass them out. And I'm thinking, you, you really want, yes. And can I tell you, the vision is real. God can do incredible things. I, I see the fact, and you know, I, at first I just wanted to, to build the bus route, but it's so much bigger than that. You know, and I believe that He can, and I believe He wants to. And even a phone call just a little while ago that says, hey, I want to ride the bus on Sunday morning. Uh, God can do the impossible. Folks, there's not only a vision, but there's a mission. Every step of the way, Caleb didn't lose sight of the mission. Probably easy to get discouraged when you see everybody that you love get buried in the wilderness. And you see those who had walked with you, those many who come across from Egypt into the wilderness, and you saw them die one by one. It wasn't, wasn't the easiest thing for Caleb is what I'm trying to say. But he never, he never lost sight of the mission. The mission was to go into the promised land. 
The mission was to go in and inherit. The mission was to go in and, and be God's chosen people. The mission was to go in and proclaim God's goodness and God's glory and, and, and to show how great God is. And folks, if you never do anything for God, you're not going to show anybody how great God is. It's important that we go out there and we show them what God can do. And, and, and as we go out and we do, what it's, it's the little things. It's not the great big thing, it's the little things. When you follow one step at a time, again, following the Lord wholly with your whole heart, it started back in Egypt. It went with, with, went with when they went to go spy out the, in the promised land. If he had never, never stood up for the Lord and said, you know, our God's able, then he never would have been able to go into that promised land. Did you know that? If he didn't believe God could, he never would have seen Mount Hebron as his own for his family. The thing that keeps us from the promises of God is our unbelief. And we limit God and we, and, and we think that God can't. And we got to make a decision. Here's the last point and then we'll be dismissed here in just a little while. Here's the last point. We got to make a decision that we are fully, wholeheartedly, decidedly saying today, tomorrow, next week, we're going to wholly follow the Lord. Whatever God says, He must be the leader. He's the one that's leading the way. It's not me just picking the way that I want to go. God must be the leader. Not only is he the head of the church, but he led the nation of Israel every step of the way. And if we don't see where he's going, we'll never get to where we ought to be. We must listen to the word of God. How did he follow? He took God's word. God, you said. You said you were going to bring us into the promised land. You said you would give me this mountain. You said that we were going to inherit. How did he follow? By the word of God. Folks, I just, can I tell you this? I'm encouraged. And I just want to say tonight, give me that mountain. Give me that mountain. I, I, I love the fact that, uh, you know, I was looking on the map a little bit earlier that there are five different mountains. I don't know how they determine these things. Everybody has a different idea of mountain. When I was in South Carolina, they had a little place called Little Mountain. It was like a little anthill is what it looked like, you know, uh, a mountain. Folks, this is our mountain. And let's take it for God. Let's be sold out. Let's serve them. Let's, let's be all into the game. It doesn't matter what age we're at. There's always something that we could do for the Lord, teaching uh, Sunday school, greeting people at the door, being involved, helping those who are coming in as visitors, encouraging them, and showing them what church is all about. I just want to be an encouragement for you tonight uh, before we go into this business meeting. And so I know it was short, but it's God's word. Let us keep our eyes on the Savior. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time together. Lord, I'm glad for Caleb, the servant of the Lord, who fully, wholeheartedly served the Lord with all of his strength, all of his soul, all of his might. He didn't stop. He didn't get discouraged. He didn't throw in the towel. He was faithful until the end. Lord, I'm looking forward to the next generation that's going to follow us. And I pray that you continue to raise up more preachers, pastors, missionaries, evangelists. I 
pray that you would just raise up uh, bus workers and Sunday school workers. I pray you would just raise up nursery workers. Lord, that your will might be done in this place. Help us to reach this area for your glory. Let's show people that we serve a great God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.